The views, opinions, and findings contained in this podcast are those of the host and subject matter experts. They should not be construed as official Department of Defense positions, policies, or decisions unless designated by other official documentation. Hi, welcome to Clinical Updates in Brain Injury Science Today, or CUBIST, a podcast for healthcare providers about current research on traumatic brain injury, also known as TBI. This program is produced by the TBI Center of Excellence, or TBI-COE. I'm your host today, Amanda Gano. Today, I'll be speaking with Dr. Donald Marion. Dr. Marion is a neurosurgeon and consultant at the TBI-COE. Don and I will discuss a study entitled Recovery Profiles After Concussion Among Male Student Athletes and Service Cadets with a Family History of Neurodegenerative Disease, data from the NCAA DOD Care Consortium by Adam Harrison and colleagues and published in the Journal of Neurotrauma in December of 2020. Hi, Don. Thanks for bringing this article to our attention today. Could you tell us a little bit about this study? Sure, Amanda. This study asks the question, does having a family history of Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's disease, mild cognitive impairment, or other neurodegenerative diseases predispose the athlete to a worse recovery after concussion? The investigators were able to use a pre-existing cohort of college-aged athletes, the NCAA DOD Care Consortium, which were a part of a long-term longitudinal study. On a questionnaire they completed when enrolling in the study, 51 male college athletes and service academy cadets indicated that they had a family history of neurodegenerative disease, and 102 males indicated that they did not. At three time points, 24 to 48 hours after injury, return to play, and six months after injury, those with a family history had more problems with cognitive performance manifest as visual memory deficits early after injury, and more problems with impulse control. That's interesting, Don. I know we've covered some of these articles before, but could you just remind our listeners, what exactly is the NCAA DOD Care Consortium? Sure, good question. In 2014, the United States Department of Defense and the National Collegiate Athletic Association, or NCAA, established the NCAA DOD Grand Alliance and the Concussion Assessment Research and Education, or CARE, Consortium. The goal was to conduct a prospective, longitudinal, multi-center, multi-sport investigation that delineates the natural history of concussion in both men and women by incorporating a multi-dimensional assessment of standardized clinical measures of post-concussive symptomatology, performance-based testing, including cognitive function and postural stability, and psychological health. As the largest prospective concussion study ever conducted, the CARE Consortium is addressing key knowledge gaps on the six-month natural history of clinical and neurobiological recovery, the acute and subacute effects of concussion on brain structure and function, and factors that predict poor outcomes in military service academy members and NCAA student-athletes. The consortium includes 26 universities and four service academies. Through this public-private partnership, CARES defining the clinical and neurobiological natural history of concussive injury and recovery. As of January of 2021, Amanda, the CARE Consortium has enrolled over 53,000 military service academy cadets and NCAA athletes. 
In addition, over 5,500 concussed cadets and athletes have undergone detailed post-injury characterization. Thanks, Don. You know, the CARE Consortium is collecting a lot of really fantastic data. It's, it's a great resource. But why do you think that the DOD should focus on sports injuries? You mean because uh, you would expect them to be injured in, in combat uh, more so than in sports? Right. Good question. In fact, though, from 2000 to 2017, data shows that 86% of brain injuries in the military occurred during day-to-day activities unrelated to deployment. That makes sense. And I think it's important for listeners to keep that in mind. So how was this study done? So before at the beginning of each sporting season or academic year, each participant completed a detailed demographic questionnaire followed by an extensive clinical assessment battery. Individuals were then monitored for the occurrence of a concussion. After a concussion, athletes were again evaluated 24 to 48 hours post-injury, again on being cleared for unrestricted return to play, and finally at six months post-injury. Concussions were diagnosed by a member of their institutional medical team using the evidence-based definition adopted by the NCAA Department of Defense Alliance. Symptom burden was quantified using a 22-item SCAT-3 symptom checklist. Verbal memory, visual memory, visual motor speed, reaction time, and impulse control, as well as overall cognitive efficiency, were assessed with the immediate post-concussion assessment and cognitive testing device, or the IMPACT. IMPACT is a computerized neurocognitive assessment tool similar to the ANAM that is used in the military. Okay, so what were the results? So at 24 to 48 hours after injury, those athletes with a family history of neurodegenerative disease had significantly worse visual memory and also had significantly worse impulse control. And the worse impulse control was actually at all time points after injury. And that includes uh, 24 to 48 hours at return to play and at six months. A family history of neurodegenerative disease did not affect time to return to play, however. Okay, and what were the limitations of the study? There were several, Amanda. Um, The study relied on self-report questionnaires to determine the presence of a family history of Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's disease, or mild cognitive impairment, and other degenerative diseases. Self-report questionnaires, however, are inherently susceptible to reporter bias and may have skewed the results of the present study. In addition, the typical diagnoses of many neurodegenerative diseases occur between the ages of 50 to 80, and it is likely that most parents of these college-aged athletes are younger. Therefore, the true sample of a positive history of these diseases in the present study may be unknown. Ideally, responses could have been validated by obtaining medical records or by reaching out to family members to corroborate reports. In addition, Amanda, the generalizability of their findings is limited to males. The study focused on males because of the differing incidence, prevalence, and symptom presentation between males and females with neurodegenerative disorders. Also, there was a large amount of missing and incomplete data sets for injured athletes in the study. This reduced both the total number of athletes with a positive family history, as well as available athletes without a positive family history. 
Finally, impulse control was the only measure in which they observed significant group differences beyond the acute phase of the injury. Okay, that makes sense. So what should the primary care provider take away from this study? Um, These findings do raise concerns, Amanda, about a college athlete's predisposition to worse outcomes after a concussion and should be investigated further because of the limitations we just discussed. But together with the genotypic data regarding ApoE4, there is increasing evidence that some people may be more vulnerable to post-concussive symptoms than others. Knowledge of such predisposition could help investigators better select who to include in clinical trials or better counsel prospective athletes about their choice of sport. All right. Thanks, Don. So that's all the time we have for today. You can stay up to date on future episodes by subscribing to Cubist on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts, where you can also find links to the articles we discuss and other relevant resources. Cubist is produced and edited by Vinnie White and was hosted today by me, Amanda Gano. It is a product of the Traumatic Brain Injury Center of Excellence, a division of the Research and Development Directorate, J9, of the Defense Health Agency, led by Division Chief Captain Scott Pine, Medical Corps, United States Navy. Thank you for listening to this episode. <laughs>